You found your way to the intersection of faith and culture. This is the place where we talk about the hot topics going on in the culture, but from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. That, that's so rare today. You know, most people today, it's just how they feel. It's just what's popular. Uh, you know, they, they mostly look to other people for how to get their, you know, take their position on whatever's going on in the culture, whatever the issues being debated are, are all about. Not here at Wobblers. Here at Wobblers, we say, okay, what is what can history teach us about this? You know, there's times in history where people have— Done things the right way and gotten good results. We can learn from that. Done things the wrong way, gotten bad results. We can learn from that. And so we look at history. We, of course, look at the Constitution here in America. That's our job as good citizens. We're going to live under the American Constitution and play by those rules. But most importantly, we look biblically. What can we learn from the Bible about the right way to do things? How do we learn from the Bible? The instruction manual given to us from the Creator about how to treat our neighbors, how to form our societies, how to raise our families, how to take care of our property, how to run our businesses, all of those things. And it's just wonderful to know that he's given us the answers to all the tough questions. There's there's nothing that we're facing that there's not an answer there. And so we appreciate uh, the opportunity to dive into a lot of those issues, and we appreciate you being a part of the program by listening, by sharing it with your friends and family. Be a force multiplier. Take links to the program. Share it out there. Let people know about it. Uh, but also by participating. Send it in questions. You've got questions that you can send us. Radio at Wobblers.com. It's radio at Wobblers.com. We appreciate you sending those in to us. Going to dive into those questions right now, jump into the first question today. And that one comes from Esther. She said, I listen to your podcast every day, and I learn something new every day. She said, I have some friends who attend public school, and I was just wondering if they would be allowed to present the gospel or not. And then she also asked, how do we reach out to our legislators and those in Congress and let them know how we feel about their decisions and how we can make a change for the better. Thank you for your podcast. I really appreciate it. Praying for you all. Have a great weekend. God bless. All right, two great questions, guys, from Esther. First of all, you know, if you got somebody in public school, can they share the gospel? Are they allowed to present the gospel? And then secondly, how do we best influence our legislators? How do we reach out to them, uh, not only our state legislators, but members of Congress? How do we tell them about how we feel about their decisions and how we'd like to see a change for the better? Well, guys, this is something that we've had uh, many of our friends, I think, address over the years. It's a good question. Uh, groups like uh, First Liberty with Kelly Shackelford and Liberty Council with Matt Staver, Alliance Defending Freedom, so many great attorneys over there, that Brad Dacus Pacific Justice Institute. So many friends are so excited with where things are now because we are seeing more religious liberty than we've ever seen in our nation's history, uh, especially over the last, well, at least since the founding era, maybe, <laughs> certainly since Abraham Lincoln. And uh, it's in large part because we have a Supreme Court that now recognizes original intent and actual wording of the U.S. Constitution and trying to restore things back to where they were. All that to say is with this religious liberty, religious freedom, unquestionably, there is freedom for students to be able to share the gospel, for students to bring the Bible, for students to hand out religious material and tracts at school, and they still have to abide by school rules and policy, right? They can't be uh, getting up in front of the class during math while the math teacher is trying to teach a lesson and then, you know, presenting the gospel as a distraction from the lesson. They still have to operate according to some basic guidelines and respect of uh, decency in the school. However, when it comes to having the religious freedom to, to be able to share the gospel, absolutely and unquestionably, students have that right where we've seen some 
challenges over the last couple of decades, it's it's much more been regarding teachers and parents. Uh, the, the Supreme Court has long upheld the rights of students to their freedom of speech and th- their freedom of religious expression. So this is something that really has not been all that contested. That there have been there have been a few cases where some lower court judges would say, ah, students can't do that. But this is something that pretty much universally the Supreme Court upheld that students have the right to freedom of speech, to freedom of religious expression, and they certainly can share the gospel in public schools. Yeah, of course, it's it's uh, people get, you know, when we hear stuff about separation of church and state or we hear, you know, pe- schools, uh, uh, people being sued and that sort of thing, then students sometimes get the chilling effect and they think that they're the ones that that that, that they have to be quiet or they have to back off. And we uh, I don't think we've ever lost those suits, right? Like it's uh, the, the stuff for kids clubs and when it's the kids leading the way, um, that's just always been you know, even when we had the bad Supreme Court decisions for years with regard to what teachers could do or schools could do or whatever, the kids could always express their faith. Well, here's an easy way to remember it. Any school at all that allows students to talk about gender transitioning, you're allowed to share the gospel. (laughs) And any school that does not allow students to talk about gender transitioning, you're allowed to share the gospel. So I somehow saw that coming. I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah. it's free That's speech. It, it, any school has to allow free speech. Now, as Tim said, it can't be disruptive, but it is student speech, and they've got a viewpoint, and they're allowed to share it. So it's, yeah. And people need to be aggressive with doing that, by the way. Um, you'll always have administrators say you can't do it. Yes, you can. And, and so be aggressive with that. Go on the offense. And, and when you say aggressive, of course, you don't mean in the middle of class, say, hey, teacher, I need 20 minutes to, right. you know, th- that's not what you mean, but you mean you know, being bold in your faith and not being afraid to share with others and, and you, but, but with wisdom and, and, and choosing the right times. And of course, being good at sharing the gospel, which means, you know, not uh, just hitting people over the head. It's a lot of that we, we, we think is a given. Uh, but then, of course, people love to use our words against us. So on the part about how do we reach out to our legislators and those in Congress, let them know how we feel about decisions they're making. I, I've been really surprised in the last couple of years um, to see and I guess maybe this goes back to when we were teaching civics and teaching government, which we don't teach anymore in schools. Uh, and even in churches, we were talking about how to contact legislators and, and the kind of tone you use. And I've been really surprised at how many of our friends in Congress, uh, even conservative friends, are getting yelled at and getting screamed at and getting threatened and, and all sorts of stuff, even by conservative people who are upset with them. And, and so the whole tone it's taken on a tone now that I, I haven't seen in my lifetime. Uh, of course, we're more polarized, we're more weaponized and everything else. But I think that's drawing our people into being like them. If they're going to be like that, we're going to be like that. And that's just not the right way to respond. So I want to take just a, a couple of minutes to throw out a couple of scriptures on how you talk to these guys. And remember, you're a Christian, you're a believer, you're supposed to be following the Bible. You don't forget that just because you might want to talk to your legislator. So the first thing is build a relationship with these guys, even if you disagree with them. You need to respect them. You know, Paul it, it, Paul was talking about the fact that, hey, you're not supposed to speak evil of the leader of your nation. And that's where I am even with Biden. I may disagree with his policies, but I still refrain from making fun of him. I still refrain from trying to mock him or scorn him or look at what he's doing because of his age or anything else. That's just that's not acceptable. And so remember, even as Paul was talking about that, the angels, when they were spewing over Moses' body, 
they didn't even rebuke the devil. They said the Lord rebuked you. And they had this humility about them that was very different from what we see today, where everybody is an expert and you're going to do what I want you to because I've told you to. So back up. These guys are representatives and they are servants of the people. Build a relationship with them where you can talk with them. Well, and Dad, as you're saying that too, I, I think there's a couple of things with that we can balance uh, in that statement. First of all, uh, before I, I get to the balance statement, I, I do want to point out a lot of times people look at elected officials and uh, even though we can dislike a lot of them, uh, some of the ones maybe we do like, we feel like they they have to be a significant person, prestigious person. They have to have some unique talent, skill, ability. And we know a lot of legislators and we've worked with a lot over the years and we've actually... Uh, been a, a opposition in many respects to some legislation that some were passing uh, that was really, we thought, unconstitutional, ungodly, whatever the case might have been. But the more we're around elected officials, that the more we realize that they're really just normal people. And, and if you walk into a, a, let's say, restaurant, in that restaurant, you might have some doctors in the restaurant. You might have some teachers. You might have some attorneys. You might have some farmers. You might have some really intelligent people. You might have some really dumb people in that restaurant. Congress, uh, state legislators, they're the exact same way. So the, the idea of how do we approach these people, it would be no different than how you would approach anybody else in your life because by and large, these people really are not that special. You have people like a Thomas Massey that he and his wife both graduated from MIT and this dude's coming up with inventions on his weekends while he's still a member of Congress. I mean, there there are some pretty unique, brilliant members of Congress. However, the majority of our elected officials don't fall in that category. But dad, then the other thing that I would say is, is a balance is, is certainly when we look at, at the Bible, there's examples where that King David wouldn't even speak against uh, King Saul when, before David was king. And, and he wouldn't speak against Saul because he said, that's, that's the Lord's anointed. But... And dad, I'd be interested to hear your thought on this. I mean, you do have a balance where Jesus called somebody a, a, a fox, right? A wicked fox. Well, that was, that was actually a political leader he was talking about. And he was calling somebody out for doing the wrong thing. In fact, John the Baptist, right? Called out a religious leader for marrying his brother's wife. There, there definitely are times when it would be appropriate. And, and dad, I know that this is not a disagreement, uh, in in this, uh, you're talking general tone in general, uh, but I mean, you look at prophets. There were certainly times prophets called out the political leaders, and if they were unrighteous and ungodly and being unjust, they would call them out for being unrighteous and ungodly and unjust, and they didn't always hold back, but there certainly is a balance that we can't just dislike somebody, and therefore we're going to be rude. We're going to lose all kinds of manners or the idea of respecting a position of authority and and now we're going to embrace the the unrestrained behavior that we so often see from people that do not embrace christian morals or not to just throw it to one part or the other but but certainly something that we saw during maybe some of the riots we've seen in some of these cities over the last couple of years where people would just throw off any kind of restraints and they would go and do all kinds of evil we we cannot become like that which we recognize to be immoral, ungodly, or unjust. If there's somebody else yelling and cussing and screaming, we don't want to debase ourselves by going to that level. As Christians, we're supposed to be above that and different than that, but it doesn't mean that we can't call out people that are doing ungodly things just because they're a political leader. 
Yeah, and, and with that, it's exactly right, Tim. There are times when you have to call people out, but part of it is your attitude. If you have an attitude of meanness, you're going at it the wrong way. Uh, anybody that's got kids, you have to call your kids out. That doesn't mean you love them less, but hopefully you don't berate them and you don't make fun of them and you don't mock them and you don't act with meanness. You have a love and you say, hey, you need to know what the truth is and what you're doing is wrong. And, and that's what prophets do. They will call out on the wrong. They will speak the truth. But with with elected officials, I mean, you, you've got to create a relationship with them if you expect them to listen to you. If you come in the room and you're yelling and screaming and hollering, they're going to turn around and walk out the room, maybe not physically, but at least they're going to turn you off. And if you create a relationship with someone, it's a whole lot easier to, to apply discipline when you need to, to say, hey, you were really wrong with this. Just like with your kids. If you can love your kids and create that atmosphere where you got a good relationship, they trust you, you, you have that relationship, then you can also correct when you need to and they know that you're not hating them and not being mean when you do that. And I think attitude is a whole lot of what goes with this. Because, and let me just, just I'm going to read some of these verses. And this, this is the way Christians are to behave. This is what the Bible says about how we behave. Uh, Proverbs 25, 15, a soft and gentle tongue breaks the most bone-like resistance. So a soft and gentle tongue, make sure you keep that attitude. Even if you have to rebuke, even if you have to challenge and correct, a soft and, and, and humble attitude. Now, here's one out of Philippians 2, 4. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. And, and that's the same thing when you talk to your legislator. Be appreciative. Listen, it, it is not easy to be a leader in Congress. It's not easy to be a leader in the state house, state legislature. It's not easy. You always make somebody mad. Be appreciative. In fact, they're willing to take some of this stuff on and be a leader for you. Probably you don't want to do it. Otherwise, you'd be doing it. So be appreciative of at least the position they've got. Uh, Psalm 18:35 it says, "Your gentleness makes me great." What makes you great? Your gentleness makes you great. So recall gentleness when you're trying to. It's so easy now with with polarized media and everything else getting us all hyped up to be so angry and yell at them. Um, here, here's one. I love this one in Second Timothy 2:25-26. It says, "Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Gently instruct them." Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they'll learn the truth. Then they'll come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. But it all starts with gently instructing. And then in Matthew 7, 12, the golden rule says that everything, treat people the way you want them to treat you. Imagine the letter you write them. If you got that letter from someone disagreeing with you, how would you react? How would you respond? So, so go back to treating these guys as elected officials. They are a position of authority. They've been elected to that position. Respect that position. Whether you agree or disagree with them, respect the position God's put them in because God's the one who ordains government and ordains government leaders. Then once you do that, build a relationship with them. Let them know that when you contact them, and by the way, when you contact them, do not deliver a sermon and do not write an epistle, Paul, uh, in Corinthians. I mean, what you want to do is about a paragraph long. What you want to do in that paragraph is you want to say, hey, Mr. Congressman, uh, here, here's what I want. I, 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 I'm going to tell you real simply, here's what I want. Here's why I want it. I'm going to explain it to you, and I'm going to appreciate your your action on this. It needs to be done short. Rick, you got that when you were state legislator. You know the difference in, in you know, people, even if they disagree with you, you can still respect them, but they respect you. And, and so I'm just seeing so much go on with our state legislators now, the kind of mail they get, even supporters that has such a bad tone to it. So I'm going to encourage everybody, contact your legislator, 
your state legislature, your, your city council, start building relationships with them. Say, hey, I'm a constituent. I really appreciate you serving. I appreciate what you're doing. And then if you'll do that two or three times, then you'll be able to call and say, hey, would you pay attention to this issue here? I really think this is important. I'd appreciate it if you'd vote against it. Or the other way is, hey, I think you got that vote wrong. Did you? And I'll, I'll just give an example here in Texas. We had a bunch of Republicans vote against school choice. And I'll say, guys, you do realize you support socialism because you just killed competition. And any system that's not allow competition is socialism. And you're conservative Republicans. I can't believe you would support socialism, but you killed competition here in Texas with education. And see, the, you can do that if you've had a relationship with them. You can rebuke them in a, in a nice way, call them out. But it's all about tone and relationship. And so uh, you know, I just think it's time that we take a little bit of time here to say, guys, you got to get involved with your elected officials at every level. But tone is everything and relationship is everything. They need to hear from you when they do it right. When they get a vote right, you need to praise them and thank them and say, hey, that was really good. I appreciate your courage. And then when you write them and say, hey, you really messed up on this one, they don't think it's a personal attack because you've already been talking to them. You've already built a relationship. You're a nice person. And that's super, super, super important. And we just can't have, we can't be the angry guys. We, we can't be the Black Lives Matter on the Christian side, quite frankly. We can't go in and try to destroy stuff and tear it up. And I'm going to impose my will on you. So that's my little tirade on this. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's, it's super important that we, we contact all of our elected officials at every level and start building a relationship. And hey, is there anything I can pray specifically for you? How, how's your family? Anything I pray for? Just offer service to them. Uh, don't expect them to be your slaves because they're not. They're your elected officials. They are public servants, and you need to serve them as well. If anyone's going to be great among you, Jesus said, let him become the servant of all. And that includes us as electors. We need to be servants as well, and we need to serve those who are in office because they do make sacrifice. So, Rick, I'll let you take it from there. That's my little tirade on this. Man, bro, I, I mean, it's so good. It's so good. And it's and it's honestly common sense. And we think about that kind of stuff maybe in our relationships with family or people in church or whatever. Um, that's the way we should think about these legislators. And even as you were saying that, I started thinking about the fact that, you know, if it, I can remember this. When, when you would only hear from someone on that one issue and they were angered because maybe they disagreed with you on that one issue— you didn't know that they were actually someone that was with you on 90% of the issues because they never let you know about those things. So it's like, if you do what you just said, and I hear from you on all these issues where we agree, then when you send me the disagreement, it will make me pause and say, wait a minute, that's someone I respect that's with me on all this other stuff. Did I miss something here? Whereas if that's the only time I ever heard from you, I'm just putting you over here in the box of, oh, that's just one of the naysayers out there. That's just one of the people that probably disagrees with me on everything. So that's a really, really good point you just said. And so I'm going to actually put a commercial in here. We have seen the ability for, for citizens to better relate to their legislators as a result of going through either the Military Patriot Academy Leadership Congress or the Constitution Coach uh, Leadership Congress, obviously the students. But for, the, for older people that are older than 25 of any age, you can come to the Capitol and go through a simulation. And when you do that, man, it makes it so much easier you understand the process. You understand how hard it is to get a bill passed, how they do have to compromise and they do have to work things out and they do have to build a coalition. Uh, so I highly recommend check out PatriotAcademy.com today, not just 16 to 25 year olds. If you're older than 25, just sign up as a coach for free and you can come to the coach Congress. And for a week, you get to be a legislator at the Capitol. What a way to learn how to then communicate with your legislator better. And we really have a heart for this to have people able to do exactly what David just said all over the nation, able to communicate with their legislators effectively. What, what a great way to have a positive influence 
on what's going on out there. Fan- fantastic question. Thank you so much uh, for sending that in and and uh, Esther for for uh, being willing to send those. Other people that want to send questions, uh, we're going to go to break, but you can send your questions in to radio at wallbuilders.com, radio at wallbuilders.com, and it can be a constitution question. It might be a process question. Um, just whatever you got. What's the Bible say about how to do some of the things or respond to some of the things going on in the culture? Radio at wallbuilders.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to Wallbuilders. Hey guys, we want to let you know about a new resource we have at Wall Builders called The American Story. For so many years, people have asked us to do a history book to help tell more of the story that's just not known or not told today. And we would say very providentially in the midst of all of the new attacks coming out against America, whether it be from things like the 1619 Project that say America is evil and everything in America was built off slavery, which is certainly not true, or things like even the Black Lives Matter movement, the organization itself, not not the statement Black Lives Matter, but the organization that says we're against everything that America was built on and this is part of the Marxist ideology. There's so many things attacking America. Well, is America worth defending? What is the true story of America? We actually have written and told that story. Starting with Christopher Columbus, going roughly through Abraham Lincoln, we tell the story of America not as the story of a perfect nation or a perfect people, but the story of how God used these imperfect people and did great things through this nation. It's a story you want to check out. Wallbuilders.com, The American Story. Welcome back to Wall Builders. Thanks for staying with us. It's Foundations of Freedom Thursday. We're diving into your questions. And Esther had two great ones for the first half of our program. Now we're going to dive into a question from, Rick, let's see, who I'm going to interrupt next? you. Rick, yes, sir. Uh, I was going through questions. I found one. Here's one directed at you. So I get to ask you. You don't get to answer Uh-oh. many of them, but you get this it's one. It's test time. So this is from David, League City, Texas. This is Howdy, David, Rick, and Tim. He says, I love your show. Thanks for all you do to educate, inspire, and influence people to be better patriots. Rick, my wife and I are looking forward to seeing you at the Constitutional Defense Training down in Fredericksburg. All right. He says, how's that for slipping in a shameless plug for Patriot <laughs> Academy in the training? So, yeah, David, thank you for doing that. He said, I recently read that the U.S. House of Representatives rules allow for non-member to be elected as Speaker of the House. My reading of Article 1, Section 2 doesn't explicitly restrict the Speaker eligibility to just members of the House. So is it really possible for a non-member to be elected Speaker? Has it happened before? And here's the just for fun question. What do you think would happen if President Trump was elected Speaker? There you go, Rick. What do you want to do with that one? Well, I'll answer the last one first. Uh, We'd have a lot of fun. Let's put it that way. If Donald Trump was Speaker of the House, we would all tune in every day. It would be a great reality show and uh, probably break all the ratings, and everyone would learn a lot about procedure, including Donald Trump, probably. Uh, but but anyway, yeah, so I, it doesn't actually say that it that it has to be a member. You know, in uh, in in Robert's Rules, which is not what, what they go by in the, in the House, but in Robert's Rules, if you do have a non-voting member, a non-member serve as chair, they don't get to vote, but they, they're kind of like procedural. They can just, like, run everything. And so everybody's kind of operated under that assumption that that you could appoint somebody. And there was a lot of actually a lot of, uh, I think, momentum for Trump to be the speaker whenever uh, whenever McCarthy was removed. But, yeah, my certainly my reading and, and, and from uh, what I understand of historical precedent, there, there is no uh, prohibition against that speaker being a non-member, non-member uh, of Congress. It, it would be a, almost ministerial, if that makes sense. But I'm assuming they could still appoint and and decide who was going to be chairs and that sort of thing uh it's just never happened but man wouldn't that be interesting donald trump as now i'll tell you what i would like about that david most of all is that would put donald trump in the position of being the main negotiator 
with uh, you know with with Biden and with Mitch McConnell and with Chuck Schumer and and uh, all of us would enjoy watching that happen again. But I don't think that's going to happen. Even though I think he said that on the steps of the courthouse, didn't he? In one of the one of the many cases where he's uh, being persecuted, not prosecuted, but persecuted, he actually said, "Yeah, I, I would do that if they needed my help. I would go." That would also put him as third in line for the presidency again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as he's think about the house. That. Yeah. Oh boy. Well, great question. I, I think one of the unintended consequences is that it would you would absolutely know his in the swamp really quick. If he got into the house, it would be such a polarized Washington, DC. Every agency that comes before Congress for any kind of stuff, man, would they roll out of the woodwork to oppose him and to criticize him and you think he's got lawsuits now. Wait wait till something happens if he were be elected speaker. You'd have so many constitutional lawsuits filed by every leftist liberal out there. It'd be held up for months on whether he could be speaker and go to the, the, the U.S. Supreme Court. The Supreme Court would very clearly say, hey, this is not our stuff. We don't make the rules for the House. The rules right. make so it. It would be. It would involve every branch, every aspect of government, every agency of government. They would come to the top in a way we haven't seen. But that'd be my prediction. I, I don't know. Maybe not. But that's my prediction. And Rick, in the little time we got left, one more question on President Trump. Uh, this comes from Johnny. It says, "Does a past president have pardon power? That is, can President Trump pardon himself?" Thank you for your answer, Rick. No, I, I think you have to be sitting president to have that power, of course, to exercise those, those Article II powers. So he couldn't pardon himself at this point. Uh, could he pardon himself while he was in office? Probably so. Uh, if, he, if he were still in office and he gave himself a blanket pardon for anything that he had done while president, that, you know, we don't, I, don't, I can't think of any president that's ever done anything like that, but they've done it for other people. But de- yeah, definitely, I, I don't think there's any way to make an argument that he could use any Article II powers once he's no longer no longer president. And, uh, you know, as we're closing out, I'll say thank you, David, for that shameless plug of constitutional defense. Anybody that wants to join us, you can also go to patriotacademy.com. Whether you want to come to the, uh, the the Coach Congress next summer, which we highly recommend, first week of August, we have a great time at the Capitol. The kids are over on the House side, and we got uh, the uh, coaches and the military veterans on the Senate side, and it's just a great way to really learn the process. You get to hear from David and Tim and a lot of our friends uh, across the country that come in and, and teach during that week. So it's a wonderful, fun time. And then that's also where you can sign up for that constitutional defense training and come out and check out the new campus in Fredericksburg and get a handgun class and a constitution class. So check that out today at patriotacademy.com and send your questions to radio at wallbuilders.com. That's radio at wallbuilders.com. You've been listening to Foundations of Freedom Thursday here on Wall Builders. We stand undivided forever.